Uh, wait a minute. Repeat I, dude. that immediately. <laughs> I think maybe the bubbles are tinier. A Pellegrino versus club soda. Okay. Uh, mm, I'm, I'm I'm refraining from going directly so to is the that internet a, to, to support this. Is that an inverse uh, relationship? More <laughs> syllables in the name, smaller bubbles. It uh, costs to, more. To, uh, to bring you all into the conversation <laughs> that was taking place and had to be recorded immediately. Uh Barry has decided that uh, he's not frou-frou enough, so he needed frou-frou, and oh. he needed to have something else to be fancy in his life, and has chosen uh, bottled club soda. No, <laughs> sparkling water. <laughs> Pellegrino. And, and, yeah, Pellegrino is... Two pinkies in the right, air. His that choice. That's right. It's only club soda if it's from the club region of France. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's sparkling uh. water. And, and of course... To differentiate that water to anyone else, he said that the bubbles are smaller. <laughs> I don't know that for certain, but I'm I don't go know with it what? until I look it up. Until you don't, he's looking it up. <laughs> no, he's, he's he's got to because Jesus. he's got to find a reason now. Oh my! I have God. got to find. Okay, okay, here we go. Club soda versus seltzer. What's the difference? Club soda is artificially carbonated water with minerals added to it, whereas sparkling water comes from sources of naturally carbonated water. So fuck you. <laughs> naturally carbonated? Yes. Right. And therefore, they got a Steve Big somewhere underground burping burping <laughs> constantly to create and, the water. And apparently tastes so much better than Nat- artificial bubbles. Not a- Wait a minute. How is this naturally carbonated? I, what, I, a, what a time. What I a- choose not to know. <laughs> <laughs> it ruins the magic, okay? Like veal. <laughs> It's like you ever see that movie, The Stuff. Well, that is, it's like that. It's yeah, it is how they. It's Pellegrino is made from baby cows. <laughs> God, what? God, what? you don't know. You don't know. I'll accept it. I remember when you talked. As I like pancetta. I remember as a kid, we used to in New York. We mm. you'd have bottles of tonic water, club soda, quinine water, quinine that's, water, quinine is waters. That's tonic, right? Well, it, it, to it, me, it was separate. It was separate. To me, it sounds like that's maybe tonic without the syrup, maybe, May, or or maybe no, maybe no sparkling. I don't know. Perhaps I don't know. Because I, I, I don't cause like, like quinine. I, I don't want to look it up because I don't want to ruin the magic. Yeah, there. Because <laughs> <laughs> quinine was also like a big, big thing in uh, getting rid of malaria. No, once upon yeah, sure, right. It's, it's still, it still does, does, does but that's it, not why they need. Does that. it fight malaria, or does like the mosquitoes just hate the smell of quinine coming out of your skin after you've had like gin and tonics? Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to ruin the magic, Kenny. <laughs> oh God! All right. So if I'm ever in the jungle, I gotta bring gin and tonic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What? Well, and a little lime. A little okay. lime. Little twist of lime. Well, yeah. That's gonna be a great podcast. Don't ruin the magic. Where people talk about amazing things, but don't want to figure out how it works. We don't explain anything. Well, I I do know in long uh, ship excursions, way back in the day, that that was why you got your quinine and your, your... your rum and so on as part of your payment because that fought off the bad shit. Well, scurvy, sure. scurvy with the the limeys. Mm-hmm. That's that's you know. Yeah, yeah I like citrus. 
weird facts that are completely wrong that you you heard 30 years ago oh, and yes. you never looked up. Okay. You know, like great what, aunt like Mabel told you, oh no, you shouldn't eat spaghetti with a fork in your left hand because you'll get dropsy. Yeah. Dumb shit like well, that. That's not I, a real thing. My mom, my mom did not believe in no swimming for an hour after sure, you eat. As did mine. And so when I would go to the beach or a pool party with other friends and I'm like, I'm ready to jump in the pool. No, Kirsten, you can't go for an hour. I'd be all like, I, I. <laughs> And and it's like if you fight it, it's like you're you're telling the kids there's no Santa Claus. Some people, some people apparently it's a real thing. Like with Deb, with what what? Like if she, she doesn't want to go into the pool after uh, eating because she'll like cramp up or something like that. I don't know. It, it might be a thing. I uh, okay, Geek Shock World. I love Deb. But she's a mess. Well, <laughs> she's a mess. Everything and, you say in a sentence before the word "but" is bullshit. Here, here, here's the thing with Deb. When she does cross her eyes, they do stay that way. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, okay, yeah. So I'm, I, I can't. Oh, oh I'm gonna shut up because <laughs> you're gonna get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number six hundred and seventy-six. I am and Master Torgo and Commander K and Vlar, and we're here to talk, and we can geek. Yeah, oh, we we don't have Deb, so we're just rubbing it in. Yep, there you we're go. Just being nasty. That's right. <laughs> It's our fault for working too hard. Man. <laughs> the Fago bomb pop is talking. Oh, my God. What? Torgo what? is what? drinking the most that. horrendous thing ever. It's not horrendous. Fago, first off, he's like a juggalo. There's nothing wrong with Fago. It's a, it's a localized soda. Fago bomb pop. Oh, my. This is terrible. It's Kirsten's going to take a picture. It's not Fago bomb pop. It's Fago firework, and it tastes like a bomb pop. It tastes <laughs> like, a, different. like a melted bomb pop. It smells disgusting. It's naturally and artificially flavored yes like As a bomb pop and it says it on on the label like that's a feature <laughs> <laughs> 340 calories oh high fruit of course high fructose corn syrup oh yes it's a soda but th does it have beef gelatin in it and uh, no because it's not a candy cigarette it should be <laughs> it, is it made with sparkling water fago was a big thing in the midwest particularly michigan and northern indiana which is where I spent most of my time growing up. Well, so I yeah. found a little local Fago place by uh, Kirsten's house, by the way. And so yes. I, was, I was like, oh, yes. goodness, oh, they sell Fago here. I'm going to stop here all the it's time. The, it's the little convenience yeah. place right on uh, little, little, Mountain little, Vista. Little and corner Trump. grocery store. Yeah. It, oh, my God. I saw Because I only know about Fago. Even though I lived in Chicago, I only know about Fago because of Knights of the Dinner Table. Because they they <laughs> right. always bring it up. They sure. always bring it up. When, when I checked out, because I bought six bottles of this stuff. <laughs> Some for the home. Fucking juggalo. <laughs> <laughs> when I checked out, the guy asked me if I was from Detroit. <laughs> ah, fucking Torgo. How does he work? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I stand behind my fagoness. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> So, gentlemen, yes, you've, yeah. you've had to have done something geeky this week, and I want to hear all about it. What geeky things you do this week, Flark? Oh, okay. Um, well, I, we saw Quantum Mania on Saturday. Hey, how was that? It was really good. Screw what the critics say. It's a fun movie. Is the are the critics saying it's bad? Yeah, critics say it's bad. It's Tomato Meter says it's good. Given Ant Man and the Wasp, and the Wasp barely has anything to do in this movie, which fine but uh it the the 
real star of it, of course, is uh, Jonathan Majors. Dude is amazing. Mm. And he's going to be a great villain for uh, the Kang Dynasty, which I is like, coming out later. I like the imagery. I like the how they incorporated Kang's mask with the lines down his mask and how... I haven't seen it, but the, the yeah. promo material just showing the scars on his face. It's yep. like, oh, that's cute. That's okay. really neat. And there's All so right. many fun little characters in there. Uh, and so many great lines and references to Baskin Robbins. It's it's good. It's good fun. It's a fun, fun film. The, the kind of thing you expect for a Paul Rudd film. Yay. Yeah. And all the kind of thing you expect for an Ant-Man film. Ant-Man's always kind of had more of a, a lighter tone to it. Well, the Scott Lang especially, yeah. I mean, if you wanna, if we want Marvel domestic abuse uh, stories, we can go with Henry Pym, uh, right. Ant-Man. Yeah, or, I'm glad or, they didn't do that. Or if you want to go worse, <laughs> the irredeemable Ant-Man when that happens. Yeah. that's yeah. Uh, I'm I'm up to September of 2007 in my oh. Marvel reading. Oh, okay. And the irredeemable Ant-Man has been going on for a good portion of this, oh, and man. every time it comes through, it's like, okay, I'll little, suffer through one of these. A little cringy. Yeah, it's real cringe. It's a little edgelordy. It's, mm. yeah. I don't have a problem with anything in this movie except for one thing. I'm not spoiling anything here. Um, there is a point where it suffers from someone didn't tell everyone something that they Uh-oh. should have. Oh, I hate the that. The perennial trope. superhero problem. Ugh. Why do superheroes have this problem? If someone told someone about something long ago, we wouldn't have this problem. Technically, we wouldn't have a movie, but ah. still, it's like it's so obvious. It's it's a it's a way too easy plot device. Yeah, it is, which so. is a little disappointing. But you get over it real quick because it's a fun movie to look at. So, hey, hey, a good movie can forgive a lot. Is yeah. it one of those uh, trying to see it in three D if you can? I don't like movies in three D anymore. I don't. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind well, of with that. you got that dropsy. It, that's it's going to make it hard for you to <laughs> see. <laughs> that consumption? Yeah. <laughs> Old-timey diseases? Gout! Gout! I got gout. I can't watch the 3D. Hey, Kyle Kinane <laughs> caught gout. That was for the hard living. You'd think I would have it, but no. Well, yeah, gout's uh, the rich man's disease. What? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it comes from too much... Too much beef, and and you know back in the day when uh, rich. What people say the day? What day? That could be Thursday. What day? Uh, before, before the before, before Thursday. Before Thursday. Okay, before Thursday. Before industrialization. Technically true. Before Thursday. <laughs> so, yeah, and you just you had a heavy beef diet. You could get that buildup in your uh, joints. Yeah. Okay. So that explains why I didn't get it. I kind of cut back on the beef. So. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to be healthy. And you're poor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What else we do? Oh, we went to a great meadery here in town. Meadery, as in making mead. Mead. Like, Ah. you know, honey wine. Yeah, yeah. Some people call it pissicky wine, but I don't. I I don't. No, it's good. I love it. Sometimes it's a little too sweet for me, though. So depending on what what kind of mead it is, it's, you know, it'll be too sweet. Like, they have this one there. I didn't even say the name of it. Deadwood Meadery. It's in Henderson. It's the only meadery in town. Uh, when I moved back from Texas, sorry, when I escaped from Texas, uh, <laughs> I couldn't find any mead. Uh, and I was used to it because I love going to this great place in Houston I've talked about before, The Hobbit. Go there. Just go there. And they have all kinds of mead. But I couldn't find any in town. Now there's this meadery right down the street. Bonus, they do 
uh, Magic Mondays where they're playing Magic the Gathering. And if oh. you're playing Magic the Gathering there, they give you like 10% off. And then they're trying to do a D&D thing there as well. So, of course, Uh-oh. we got the talking. And then dude leads off with like, let me tell you about my character and all that. It's like, oh, okay, shit. We're in for some shit now. So, uh, no, he's a cool guy. Um, sure, sure. Let for, me tell you about my so, character. Oh, him yeah. and the other guy that was there. We we're just oh, having character Jesus. discussions. So some some negative like, points, but a good guy. <laughs> he was our people. Right. Nerdy. Um, but they, they make all their mead right there. Uh, lots of different varieties. It's just it's just really good. Plus, they've got a great fish and chip shop right outside. Shop, uh, tr- food truck right outside. So they have food trucks come in. So a Fish I'm, and chips food truck. That's mm. I like that. Yeah. I wa- I no, want, it's really good. I want that for my next birthday bash. It can happen. Um, so, yeah, Deadwood Meadery if you're in Vegas. Deadwood Meadery. It, it, all those those nights remind me. And I never went to one of these. And I, I wish I could have because I found out about it just before COVID hit, what? and of course, it never this whole thing never survived COVID. But uh, there was a barbecue place in town. I think it was called the Sin City Barbecue at the time. So if you're in Vegas, it was like Green Valley and Sunset, roughly. Roughly, they had a board game night on Wednesdays. And I'm thinking, what wonderful combination of things to have for your card and board games than barbecue sauce <laughs> and grease. You can't and, touch and, anything. And yeah. picking pork and ribs off your hands. Oh, Andy would have been right at home. <laughs> oh, no, so, dude. But they had it. They, weekly, they were trying. And I, I just the, the fit hilarious. just wasn't there. That's hilarious. But I, I, don't, I hope they provided the games because I'm not. I'm not bringing my shit to that. <laughs> well, they provided the game once. <laughs> <laughs> you have to change your card sleeves every week. Oh my God! There you go. Order fifty dollars worth of food. Get a set of card sleeves. There you go. That's, yeah, but you need those card everything. sleeves before the food. And then you got to throw well, them out. Well, they give you the card sleeves while you're waiting. For no, your this food. is just a terrible idea. <laughs> this is just nothing. Let me the just only, stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. The only good food to eat when you're playing board games and card games is stuff that you eat with a fork. And no one plays board games and eats with a fork. That's just... Yeah. It just doesn't happen. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with eating with a fork? You can have spaghetti and meatballs while you're playing board games because you eat with a fork. You're not going to get it everywhere. Yes. With a fork, it doesn't splatter at all. I think if I went to your house, even even on Twilight Imperium Day, and you you rolled out with the spaghetti and meatballs in the fork, I, I think I... Close it up. That's I'm done. I, we are we are gonna have Twilight Imperium. Yes, Day, we are. And, and we're gonna not, have spaghetti and, and meatballs. Not having spaghetti and meatballs. Maybe. We're gonna have sloppy joes. <laughs> you know what? I accept that. It's got sloppy right in the name. If it's on the other side of the room. Oh no, on the big table. Nope. <laughs> Can't <laughs> handle well, it. Well, what about what about the grossy uh, during the? Uh, and, wait, crawl. wait a second. This is you and Pellegrino. Yeah, I was, I'm a complicated man. <laughs> And that's, that's, that's another word of saying odd bug. You are an odd bug. <laughs> <laughs> My life is chaos, dude. Deal. What, what else you do? Oh, dude. Uh, nothing, really. I mean, what the hell? Busy man. Oh, no. What the hell am I talking about? I scored third place in the Geek Shock uh, Hot Dog Open. Congratulations. Yes. Did not win, but it's okay. It was, and, uh... and congratulations to the two people that beat you better. Oh, I hate you. Ugh. <laughs> The uh, Geek Shock uh, Potato Salad Open uh, started today, and the Geek Shock Mayonnaise Invitational is going to start on Thursday. I wow. named shit after food. I love the way your brain works. Oh, man. Is that the word we want to use? Works? 
<laughs> Sputters. <laughs> Sparks. Occasionally screams. Yes. That <laughs> 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 was an idea. If, if the doctor ever did surgery out of you, just screaming into the void. <laughs> Uh, what did I do? You know what? Last week I mentioned I've been playing a little bit of the Callisto Project. That is the game that's out for PlayStation 5, Xbox One X. Uh, that is a. It was created by one of the designers of Dead Space. And it's him trying to create his own version of Dead Space. And successfully to a point. Um, it's a beautiful game. Uh, it's dark, gritty science fiction, very gross, very violent. Um, int- you know what? I actually kind of like the characters in this because one of the things with Dead Space is that your character is just kind of a cipher, just a, 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 a an avatar for you, but really no personality when it comes down to it. This is a game that actually casts actors, and they've been amazing motion capture for them. Okay. Uh, but a very interesting, dark science fiction story where your character is a mercenary f- uh, car- uh, cargo ship uh, pilot, and you're dropping things off at this, for lack of a better word, penal colony planet. <laughs> penal. <laughs> And uh, you're infiltrated by some rebels system that brings your ship down. And when it comes down on the planet, you're immediately arrested and thrown in jail. Okay. Uh, For no good reason. Then that's part of the story aspect. And then when you get there, all of a sudden things go to shit because all of a sudden some experiment that was going on in the penal colony gets loose and turns everything into walking dead mutant things. And then from there is dead space. It's... One thing that's driving me nuts about this game, and I want to keep playing it just because I do want to see the story goes. The story is interesting enough to make me keep going one more step. So what's the bad thing? The bad thing is the game is fucking unfair. Uh. The game has so... It's not that it has jump scare moments, and it does, and that's fine, expected for this kind of game, but every jump scare moment takes away hit points from you unfairly. Oh, that's jump unfair. scare. Yeah. You you walk into a room, big bug jumps on your face, starts sucking on. You had to hit Y to get it off your face, but that by that time half your well, energy's gone. It's sucking on your face. I mean, that's a little more than just a jump scare. Yeah, I but thought if it's not you expect dinner in a movie first. Okay. But if it's unavoidable. <laughs> if it's unavoidable, that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. But but and I, a, I don't get it. Unfair is is yeah. everything you love in gaming. Board gaming. Board <laughs> gaming. Yes, he's an asshole for board gaming. Video gaming is a different story. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. No, I'll defend him on this. It's true. I, I just had this experience earlier today when I was playing Skyrim, of course, and I was playing one of the uh, one of the mods, oh, Worm's Tooth, I think it is, and there's this point where I'm you know killing wizards in this tomb or something, and they're tough, but I have like some backup. And then there's this one that hits me with a paralysis, and I'm down for like 15 seconds, and they're just wailing on me as I'm down. I can do nothing about this. I'm fucked. So I'm just chugging every potion. Uh, how, how I'm doing it? I'm paralyzed. I don't know. Uh, I'm it's eating every broken. cheese wheel, every potato I've got, trying to stay alive. <laughs> and then I get up, and he hits me again. And I get up, and he hits me again. I'm like, fuck this shit. So I almost threw the controller. Oh, the- I see. So it's... 
unfair is is good when other people are involved but if it's you soloing unfair is just terrible i want a challenge i don't want impossible (laughs) (laughs) right and and also describe unfair in board games with me go go ahead i I need i need a baseline i i i i I, you're the one who said i i i I, (laughs) you said it (laughs) Board games, it's different from... I like chaos in board games. Uh Uh-huh. He does. Uh... However, what sucking on your face, losing hit points? That's chaotic. But, but as it you know comes. what? As, as, an a- as much of an asshole as Torgo is with board games, he's fair about it. And and on top of that, when it comes to unfair in board games, that is every co-op board game, and I love co-op board <laughs> games. Like Pandemic is super unfair. Oh, super unfair. But I still love it. XCOM, fuck that game. I'm done playing that game. Uh, but super yeah, unfair. The, I just know that I'm going to go down this hall and uh, eventually something's going to jump out of some hole, latch itself onto me, zap half my hit points so that my next battle with something is going to be rougher. And I guess that's the point is like maybe they went through this game and was like, this game is too easy on its normal difficulty. Maybe we need to put something that takes some hit points off of people. I don't know. All I know is that it's annoying to play it. Can you way. adjust your difficulty? You can you can adjust oh, your Oh, that's the worst thing though. That's just the shame. That the walk of shame is is going to the pause menu, going over and just saying, you know what? I just suck as a human being. I'm going to turn this down to baby difficulty. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm not sure you can adjust it down. I think you can only adjust this up. I think it goes normal, hard, just... hard, and then super hardcore. <laughs> Holy crap! Sadists! <laughs> oh, I might be wrong on that, but that's that's. I believe that's how it is God, with this game. I... I, uh, Very few games have I ever done it, but it's. It, I would have had to have died like 10, 12 times uh, before I'm like, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I love this No game. one's around. I'll just... Turn the difficulty down for this one fight. No one will know. I'll lo- I love this game. I'll never play it, but I love it. Uh, the <laughs> Even though you're given a gun, I find I melee most things. The melee system is a lot of that whole uh, dodge and counter kind of system. Uh, th- although it seems like it's going to be really hard, it turns out it's like really, really easy to dodge and counter in this game. Like if you have any ounce of patience you will be fine with it. So that's why I'm thinking is like, maybe that's it, it because to dodge, all you have to do is hold the left stick in one direction while something's trying to hit you. If you're holding that stick at any given point and not punching, you're going to dodge. And then the next dodge has to be in the opposite direction. So you're other than going left, right, left, right until there's an opening. Oh, well, I don't feel so bad about the jump scares anymore. Yeah. So it, it, it's yeah, it so keeps, much for unfair, Todd. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you have hit points and they're trying to just just take them away unfairly, I, I just can't get behind that. Mm. Just, no, I understand. Yeah, the, the, the something that you can't avoid that grabs your ankle. No. <laughs> now, I love it. Now, I want to hear now, about now, this. Now, if it has some kind of clue to it, whereas you maybe you have a fraction of a second to stop it, I'm fine with that. It can get frustrating, but there is an out. If there's no out, then okay, you're just going to walk into a trap. Your hit points mean nothing. You're just at the whim of the game. I, I, uh, I don't know. You're you're just talking, and I'm hearing good things. So. <laughs> I'm glad you you're... would love it, Kay. I'm gl- I, no, oh, I'd love watching you play it. <laughs> it's like it's like some <laughs> of know? those. Um... It's like some of those big major boss fights in uh, the Ori game that, that Deb was playing uh, last week. 
I forget the name of it. Ori um, and the Will of the, the Wisps. Will, Will of Wisps. Yeah. Sometimes, like, you're this tiny little wisp, and you're going around, and you have some powers, but then there's, like, a giant wolf or a big giant snake plant thing or whatever, bigger than the screen. It's really cool looking. It gives me kind of a Shadow of the Colossus feel. But you know that you can avoid getting hit. It's just you got to find the pattern, and that's the game. Well, that's But if you can't those, avoid right? getting hit, then that's bullshit. Yeah. Which apparently you can't avoid it, so that sucks. And uh, the other game I started playing is uh, Ori and the Blind Forest. No. Oh, the first. <laughs> was it the first one? It's the first one. They, uh, uh, I, after Deb described it, I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. So I went and uh, I found, oh, this one was first. So I started playing the first one, Ori and the Blind Forest. It is a stunningly beautiful game. Isn't it? I absolutely adore it. I actually watched her play it. It's just gorgeous. So I can't imagine how good the newer one is. Uh, but if you haven't played the Ori games, and if you like Metroidvania-style games, it's really, really good. And uh, the aesthetic in a touching way. It's not to Barry. Barry's giving me that 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 look. Uh, but everything is very very cute and gentle and woodsy. Uh, not the bad guys, but everything else is really, really, really beautiful. Boy, you're you're really selling it. Look, Barry is just salivating. <laughs> I'm not huge on platform games. That's, that's not I, well, I'm not but huge if I on did, platforms. There, they would be a pretty good game. Cute little forest shit. I I just want. I'm in a dark place in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this: it's a good looking enough game to where I can watch her play it, and it's easy for me to avoid saying shit like. Why aren't you going over there? Go over there. Wait. Oh, why, why can't you make that jump? You should go over. The, do this and then. The, oh my God! What are you doing? I couldn't do that without hitting you. Yeah. See, and I avoid doing that <laughs> because I can just quietly watch the game, and it's nice looking. It is. So there you go. Easy hmm. on the eyes. Yep. What's not easy on the eyes, but awesome all the same, is a show on Netflix called Archive Eighty One. I have not heard of this. Archive 81 originally was a, what they called a found footage podcast. Oh, boy. It was a story told in found footage style, audio-wise, and it got turned into a Netflix series that is really spectacularly written. A hint of Lovecraft, uh, definitely a dollop of cult. And a lot of mystery, but what they really do well in this show is they are, I don't know who wrote it, I don't know their background, but they are champions at revealing a mystery at the perfect moments. It's eight episodes long, it is a story from beginning to end, the end ends in a cliffhanger of sorts that my wife was not very happy with. But, yeah. <laughs> my, but my wife tends to like things wrapped up very neatly. Mm. Uh, this was not wrapped up very neatly. And I believe, in a, based on the fact that the podcast story went further, that they were actually looking at continuing that story on from that point. But Netflix said they're not doing another season. Ah, Aww. they're like the BBC. So uh, there is that. However, for me, I thought it was the perfect ending for that show. And I loved her ending, but I also love ambiguous endings. So do keep that in mind. Mm. I don't know. Alf spoiled that for me. <laughs> it's Alf. It, it, was Alf really an ambiguous ending, or was that just them getting canned? It was them getting canned. Exactly. Man, what a way to end it. Yeah. This this one ends in a way that if they continue it on, there's a place to continue on from. But if they didn't continue it on, this is a good place to stop to. And 
the mystery of it is wonderful. A it's best to know very little going into it, but a gentleman is hired from a large company to he he is a restorer of old films and old audio tapes and old videotapes and old reel-to-reels. He works for the museum in New York that does that. And he is hired personally from this large company to take these tapes that were in a fire in 1994 in an apartment building and restore them for the company for whatever reason. And he starts to restore those tapes and see what's on them and sees that there's some some not-so-great things going on and stumbled across something he might not, should not have and probably shouldn't get involved with does. It's... Oh, now I'm interested. It is really good. It's intriguing, and it does a... Unlike Lost, does a really good job of drip-feeding you information to keep you going wanting to know more. Okay. You, you've sold me with not like Lost. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I needed new things to watch, so... Good. It's a show that knows where it's going and knows how to get there, and... If you're into that kind of mystery with a tinge of horror without being overly horrific, if you just like this is a show I think Deb could handle okay. as far as horror wise. Good. Because it is just a touch of horror and there isn't a lot to uh, uh, give you nightmares about it, but the mystery is super compelling. All right. So, Archive 81, it's on Netflix. Uh, check it out. Even though it's the only the one season, you re- it doesn't need a second season. If you want to know more, the audio podcast uh, has multiple seasons to it. And I guess that audio podcast is a bit darker and there are some changes, uh, but you're going to have that in any translation. Uh, so it's like having that giant, like, uh, printed head of Torgo that I have in my, uh, in my garage. It's a, just a touch of horror. It's nothing I can't handle. And a necessity for every home. Yeah. Yes. Makes the garb, the garbage, makes the garage, <laughs> well, it makes taking out the garbage kind of horrific. A little bit. Yeah. All right. It's folded over. I know where it is. I know if I unfolded it, he'd be staring at me with that face. Why? So unfold that horror is there. Unfold it. The yeah, potential really. for horror is there. You right. don't want that crease in the middle of Torgo's face. Not only that, but when it's closed, my ch- face changes and it's still watching you. Yeah. Oh, that's disturbing. Oh, Todd. Todd. Yeah. Is there a way we can we can make one? Well, yeah. He made the first no, one. Not, Obviously, there's a way we can make him. one. Not him. Not him. Yeah. We make it. Yeah. Right with a different expression, yeah. and change it out without telling him, mm-hmm. so that he does unfold it. <laughs> and he's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, even better. We have Deb go get it. Yeah, out of the garage, and it changes the expression. <laughs> she would know something hinky is up immediately, and we would drive to your home. <laughs> somehow overcome the gate, just by sheer force Man, of well, hatred. One of my favorite stories is the whole somebody reading The Exorcist. And was just like so horrified by it that they threw it in the water. And so a, a work co-worker went and bought another copy and ran it under the faucet and then put it in his drawer. I love it so much. And, and it's just, I want, I want so bad to do the Deb version of that. Yes. And we got to find something where we can... Maybe maybe buy her like a horror RPG and she like gets rid of it and then we just keep putting it back in the house. We get her something really cool that she would really like, but also explain that it is cursed in some way. She would see right through that <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, boy, folks, we didn't have well, the video on, but Barry's face. <laughs> I didn't say that I would do it. I would have to go through another party. Oh, oh, like send it through the mail mysteriously because yeah. that really works effectively. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's not go down this road again. <laughs> Kirsten, what'd you do? Ah, uh, 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 good, good story. I actually uh, jumped on the Kickstarter for the New Age Sword and Sorcery magazine. Um, new, hey, new, new Edge? New it. God damn it. This is, this is my thing, and I keep getting it wrong. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, the New Edge Sword and Sorcery magazine. This, is, uh, this, this uh, came out of the wacky whetstone discord sword and sorcery discord that i joined uh god when did I you done the interview you talked about it last yes week. i uh interviewed oliver brackenbury he um he had actually um done some editing and done some uh, magazine work in the past he volunteers at the judith merrill collection in toronto uh which is actually uh the largest collection of science fiction and fantasy bookage and magazineage in North America. And on Whetstone, which uh, Whetstone is a magazine, a free sword and sorcery magazine on the uh, internet, the Discord, we're all sword and sorcery heads. We love it. We talk about it. We argue about what is sword and sorcery exactly and all that good stuff. And the New Edge is a phrase that came from Howard Andrew Jones, one of my favorite uh, fantasy writers, uh, very low key. He's uh, recently signed. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He's recently signed a contract with Bane Books, and he's doing uh, a series of sword and sorcery. Is that related to the Bang Bus? No. Is he, Howard Jones the same? The same Howard Jones that released? Uh, no. She blinded me with no. Sign? No. Oh. No. Okay. And it wasn't Howard Jones. No, it's right. It wasn't no. Howard Jones. It was. Who was it? I don't know. Jeff's not here. I don't know. Damn and it, and, and why are you? Why are we Tom, talking about Thomas this? Dolby? Thank you. Who am I thinking of with Howard Jones? You're. I don't know. You're an Things idiot. Things can only get better. Thank you. God, that was gonna. That was killing me. <laughs> Boy, I'm. I cl- took a shot. So, yeah. Yeah. You miss you win some, you lose some. Right. Every shot you don't take is a benefit to me. No one. <laughs> um, is to, no one is to blame. Like to get to know you well. <sighs> Thank you. Yes. That's new cool. edge sword and sorcery. <laughs> So uh, we finally... Uh, I don't know things. The, the, that's a phrase from Howard Andrew Jones, because we're talking about uh, revitalizing the subgenre without all the, you know, without all the, the, the baggage that came, comes from the early 20th century pulps. Because when you speak to people who know anything about the, the genre of sword and sorcery, you inevitably hear about the racism, the sexism, um, all the other, you know, and the tropic nonsense that comes with a lot of that early 20th century pulp stuff. So we were like, we want to take the pulp stuff that we love and eliminate all the elements of it that suck and move forward. A new edge on an old blade. And that was Howard's uh, phrase from like 20 years ago when he was talking about this with a, a variety of writers. So the magazine actually kind of took off. They did a... Issue zero, Oliver proved he could do it. Oliver proved he could edit and he could get writers and get artists involved. And so they set up the Kickstarter. Kickstarter has got about a, I think as of this drop, maybe a week to go, something like that. It's uh, it's like March 4th or something is where it ends. Fully so if, been, if you've been waiting, it's, it's time. Yes, please, please spread the word. Is um, it funded? Yeah, uh, no. 
Okay. That's the thing that I was getting to that. Um, it's, uh, it's got another $5,000 to go to fund. It is an all or nothing, but guys, that $5,000 is Canadian dollars. So we're even closer than you think. Oh, it's like Monopoly money. Right. No, it's, it's, uh, it's 11,000 and change towards 14,000 and change U.S. dollars. So we're close. We're getting there. So spread the word. Anyone who loves fantasy, make sure to spread the word of this Kickstarter 2 to see if we can get this going. There are various tiers. The um, typical of the day now, there are PDF tiers. Uh, and this is issue one and two. This isn't just one issue. He's trying to uh, fund for issues one and two. And he's got his stories. He's got his art. This is just a matter of having the funding so people can be paid and we can get it published and get it out there. Um, it would actually be fulfilled sometime, ex- expected to be fulfilled sometime in October um, if, it, if it does fulfill. Cool. And he has various stretch goals, which be, working as a nonprofit, the stretch goals are things like additional art and then more money for content creators. So there's that step up as well. It's, it's, it's just great stuff. And uh, soft cover, hardcover magazine format. I actually went ahead and splurged on the hardcover tier myself. So Wait, hardcover magazine? Hardcover magazine, yeah. It's just like, it's like, a, uh, it's like an RPG supplement book. It's just, you so It's know. not a magazine. <clears throat> Magazines, you're supposed to be able to roll up and beat children with. Oh, okay. Well, you can beat children with this one. It's just a hardcover. Use the hard edge. Cover. The new edge. <laughs> oh. Dude, you can get soft cover as well. All right? You can get your magazine. Oh, my God. Jeez, Louise. But anyway, yeah. Don't hate so. me. So, so, uh, so yeah, not that reason. So uh, spread it <laughs> so around. Spread it around, folks. Let people who love fantasy know about this Kickstarter because I'd love for it to take off. I really believe in this. Um, you know, you guys know I love sword and sorcery, and uh, I'm passionate about the new edge because I, I like revitalizing, you know, older stuff. Uh, case in point, I also got this week my soft cover copy of Mutant Future. What the hell is that? That's a that's an investment. Yeah. So um, invest in mutants. Uh, they're uh, they're definite. They're more fungible than NFTs. Definitely. And it's ever changing. It's an ever changing market. <laughs> so volatile, you might say. Yes. Yeah. Um, what is it? Mutant Future <laughs> is Labyrinth Lord is the OSR retro clone of the older school D&D. Help um, me with all that. There's a uh, lot of words. Okay. Oh, boy. He's supposed to know all this stuff. I know lots of words, but you know, that was because, all jumbled. Okay, it, it, it's probably good for all our listeners, all too. Right, that was word right, salad. Right, Come on. Right. Um, well, you may have heard uh, this discussion of this thing in tabletop RPGs, the OGL. The OGL, the What's open that? gaming license. Oh, I thought that was an ogre thing. Yeah. Now, when the OGL was first actually released, put out, um, it was for third edition. This was to get uh, outside publishers involved in uh, third edition without complicated licensing issues. You know, we we've been through all that. Well, it also the the way it was structured, it kind of opened a Pandora's box of. Um, what they called retro clones. These were people 
now not just doing third edition D&D, but they were actually putting out uh, content for old school D&D, the original uh, Little Brown Books, the White Box D&D, the BX, the uh, Moldvay edited, the John Ho- uh, John Eric Holmes edited, the Menser edited D&Ds, which... I get you, the old you know, shit. Exactly. Okay, now he wants me to hurry up. Well, no. Explain it to me. All right, now just shut up. Hey, Kirsten. <clears throat> yeah. Good story. Uh-huh. You asked for it, asshole. Aye. Labyrinth Lord is a sort of a... Uh, it's uh, a cleanup of the rules from the BX, the red box, the uh, blue box oh, yes. versions of it. Um, and um, it's it's... It follows the older rules, uh, sometimes to its detriment, descending armor class. <coughs> but um, but it actually, the layout is very professional. There's a lot of cleaned up um, stuff in the rules. There, it's oh, so it doesn't look like middle schoolers did it and <laughs> photocopied it exactly. Yeah, and there they address they address issues like that. Mutant future is a Gamma World version of that, uh, but um, not quite like Gamma World. It's compatible with Labyrinth Lord. Gamma World had some conversion stuff. You could move Gamma World into D&D, but there were things about the game that were a little different. Mutant Future is more is more compatible with that old Labyrinth, with the approach of Labyrinth Lord. But it's still, it is kind of like a Gamma World uh, retro clone. So it's Gamma World. It's Gamma World rules. You got mutation rules. They talk about, you know, what's your, how did your world get a post-apocalyptic? For me, when I hear post-apocalyptic, I go directly to our world had some kind of catastrophe. And now all sorts of neat fantasy stuff is happening, you know. And Mutant Future kind of gets a... Mad Max slash X Men vibe going on, which I it for me is like the the perfect uh, post apocalyptic description of a setting. So Mutant Future is a lot of fun in that, and I've been looking through it. Uh, it may be the next next thing I run when I just do like short arcs and stuff like that for the gaming crowd. But the rule set, it's the old school rule set. The rule set is. Is kind of old school. So, yeah, you do the attack matrixes. I figured out the math so I can convert things to ascending armor class, which I kind of want to do. Um, is but, it easy like 5e? Because, you know, 5e is oh, yeah. no, 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 no. When I say easy. When I say I figure out the math, I mean you convert to ascending armor class and, and uh, base attack bonus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. Um, it's just there were a lot of stuff in the old D&D versions oh, oh, oh. that were really difficult. Part of the cleanup of a lot of the retro clones is actually cleaning up a lot of that math, making things a lot simpler. Uh, and sometimes it gets fun, like their little attack matri- matrices, matrixes. You know, um, actually, it can actually be fun to play a little bit of that. I think campaigning with that stuff and campaigning with descending armor class is crazy. One of the things that like old school Gamma World did that Mutant Lord keeps is even though your character level affects some attacks, you really, your attacks are affected by the weapon you use. Mm. So you need to go out and explore and find better tech because literally 
on the matrix for your attack, instead of referencing your level, it'll reference the attack class, the attack value of the weapon you're using. So your sword is going to be lower on the matrix than your ray gun or your uh, black ray pistol, which is like a devastating you know, type of ray gun and stuff like that, versus still you know, the armor class, which is descending <coughs> garbage. But, um, you know, that's kind of interesting. The way they do psionic stuff, you actually just, you have a willpower stat instead of a wisdom stat in D&D. And you just take, you just do a raw cross-section. So I take Barry's willpower measurement, and if I'm attacking him, I take mine. And we cross-reference the number and find out I only have to roll a 2 or above on a D20 to destroy Barry's brain. So That's know. right. Yeah, Math well, I was going with a realistic yeah. version, yeah, yeah. so people well, appreciate grasp it. it. Yeah. So, but uh, <laughs> once again, folks, you're missing the video feed of Barry's sneer of contempt. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I really, I, I, I know people associate Gonzo and weirdness with Gamma World, but yeah. I really want going back to my point five minutes ago i really like taking something totally absurd and crazy but then you treat it with utter seriousness because for me that kind of ramps up the horror one of the neat things that kind of kind of sort of explained this was someone was talking about uh in a blog about fantastic four way back fantastic four where they chick kind of chickened out on Galactus, made Galactus like a cloud thing. There are claims that they were going to go further, blah, 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 in sequels, but I think that they choked. And the blogger actually said, if you can't make a 150-foot or 500-foot-tall guy in purple armor appearing in Manhattan and declaring he's going to destroy the world scary... You should not be directing Fantastic Four. And it was really funny because that yes. was a magnificent point. It's like, yes, a big guy in purple armor is silly. When you look at the comic, it's silly. When you read it on the page, it's silly. But if we were to step outside right now and there was a 500-foot-tall guy, guy in purple armor declaring he's going to eat the world, we would all lose our fucking minds. Yeah. We would shit our pants because this doesn't make sense. This is crazy. This is nonsense. And it is happening. And that's sort of how... I finish all the booze on my shelf. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Now I'm picking up Kit and we're going to Barry's. Yep. But we need to finish all this before you know, we die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's just like, you know, it, uh, it, it, that kind of stuff is, you know, fucking giant rabbit people, which was like a staple of the old, you know, the, the hoopers. These are giant rabbits who run around. But the, the old, um, middle school art, as uh, Barry referenced it from oh, Gamma so World, had giant rabbits with bandoliers full of ammo holding guns. And it's like, yeah. On the page, that's ridiculous. But what if that really... What What would your brain go through if that shit was really outside the fucking door? It's just... I don't... And that's the kind of approach I like to take to that sort of stuff. So instead of, you know, embrace the gonzo and be gonzo, I like to think of, you know, this is really brain-meltingly horrifying 
if you give it some thought. So, and Mutant Future, you can you can go in that kind of direction. So I kind of, and I like that. So I like that. That that's my yeah. kind of philosophy for that. Yeah, and I like with Labyrinth Lord, they kept the original saving throws with it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, saving throw versus. Uh, juggling sphere, saving throw versus codpiece <laughs> hypnosis. Daddy, daddy, get me out of here! Uh, wow, that place to say. Good lord, that was you. You you took some time to come up with that while I was talking, didn't you? I had yeah. plenty of time to do it. I was yeah. rattling around. Oh, thanks, thanks a lot. <laughs> well, just for that fucker, the other thing I did. Um, we played games yesterday, and we played one of the games we played. Aside from DC Deck Builder, of where course. I absolutely kicked ass. Get him. <clears throat> Luchador Wars. What in the hell is that? Talk to me about this. This is a crazy... Talk about Gonzo. This is a crazy game. It's a stand-up hard... Not. It's even harder than cardstock. You know, all that punch-out token shit. Yeah. But you're actually building a little cardboard wrestling ring. Oh, no. Complete, okay. oh, oh. complete with little elastic uh, ropes. Okay. <clears throat> and then you get your cardstock standy luchador wrestlers and it's a dice game where you throw your dice into the ring at the same time the dice collide and you count up hits dodges misses to find out who hit or miss and then you have a an injury track and when you get to a certain zone you are now pinnable and then you also have a track for special attacks. So you can do, there's a, there's a track when it goes up and hits a certain point, you can do counters, which is its own little mechanic separate from the mass dice throwing. And then you get, of course, your special attack, which you have a special attack die for your luchador. You roll it, and if it comes up, you can, if the symbol proper symbol comes up, you can do some massive damage or some massive energy. Uh, injury to an opponent. WWE, the board game. It's it it very much so, very much. Uh, Why did they never have a WWE <clears throat> board game? They did. Did they? They had, I think, a few. Was it good? No. Well, apparently I not. I guess not. <laughs> yeah. They did a lot of things that were truly terrible. Now, I used to have back when it was WWF, which shows how old I am. Like uh, the album. Oh well, that was a wow, a, a classy Freddie Blassie singing pencil neck geek. Yeah, come on. Yeah, Ugh. man, I was But this thing, the Luchador Wars, it's fun. The the different character. I played the Beast. Oh God, Stephanie was my tag team partner, and she was like an octopus queen. I can't remember her name. Matt, of course, played Johnny Lafleur. Um, who's you know your good-looking, charismatic dude, and uh, I I've totally forgotten what Paulette played. I'm, no, Paulette was the octopus queen. She was the octopus. Whatever. She had eight arm flailing attacks, and Steph's character I can't remember. So, but so, anyway, so the character was an octopus. No, was oh. a woman with eight tentacle arms. Dude, what? Okay, okay. So it wasn't WWE. Yeah, no. So, no, dude, it it was fun because one of the things you do is you roll your dice. If your dice collide, if your dice go off the ring, you uh, that doesn't count anymore, right? And you get you have a miss, a hit, 
and a dodge. If you dodge, you get a re-roll. You can re-roll your dodge. Like zombie right? dice. Kind of, sort of, yes, exactly. And uh, Matt actually said that like five times that evening. <laughs> and, and if you roll the dice, your dodge dice, when you're defending yourself, you can throw them. If you can hit your opponent's die and knock it off of the ring. That's like botchy. You're eliminating points. Yeah, so, but it's really funny because if you overdo it, you might not, your, your die might fly off the ring. Now, we played a basic version, which was just the dice throwing, you know, the various forms of dice throwing. But apparently there's special moves that that we didn't go into, which involve things like using the elastic uh, ring ropes to, yes, yes. Like to, a slingshot. Like slingshot. Uh, you get your standee, so your standee might off of it for some kind of an attack or you might shoot a die off of it there were, we had a ladder so there was a ladder attack there are actually a couple of weapon cardboard weapon things and all of that is involved with you doing silly kid stuff use utilizing the ring so so it really could get really really crazy wacky funny wrestling tropey uh i i I like the game. I mean, it helps that, of course, I won. But, um... Uh, of course. I beat the shit out of him, Barry. I actually <laughs> pinned... Uh, when you do a pin, when you get into the... the when you're... A, Is there a bell? Can you ring a bell? Uh, no, but you do can have you do to the count. Post, can you do the post-fight uh, uh, interview with uh, Mean Gene? Well, actually, no interview, but I did play my theme song on the way out. And since I was the beast, my theme song was the Predator theme. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, Matt's character LARP? got into the, uh, the pin range. When your health track hits a certain point, you are pinnable. I got to the pin and it took me two tries, but the second time I did, you do, it's kind of like a dice off. You do a dice roll off. You have to defend. And so Matt defended himself and I ended up pinning him, got him out. And then Paulette, Stephanie and I just beat the tar out of her character until she actually got knocked out because we just totally wiped out her health. Oh. What, For, are, what are the stats? Just health? Just health. Okay. Just health. And then the dice, like uh, Barry said, the zombie dice, you're counting up hits. And basically, I roll five dice, Barry rolls five dice. Say I have four hits, and Barry has, let's let's just simply say he, he ends up with five misses. Right? You subtract the amount of hits, and the difference is on the health. So if, if you have a bunch of misses, no yeah, hits, it. then it's... And it moves you down your health track. And down your health track is how you get go from the green into the yellow. The yellow is when you can be start pinning. And then you're in the red, where you're in trouble. But it can also trigger special moves, because you know you're in a desperate situation. Every time you win a round of dice throws, your power track goes up one. And when you go up four or five uh, points, you'll hit your pin. If your opponent's in the pin zone, you can then try for a pin. And you can also hit your special move. Um, everyone's special move is different. So there are some where the special move is two points, four points. And it was really funny. My guy was so nasty, he had an eight-point damage special move. But you have your special move die. And my guy only had two triggering faces. On a six-sided die? On a six-sider. So uh, some of the others, 
all of the faces triggered, but it might only be like two points of damage. And then like one of them will be a big six pointer. Matt was just like, what? When he found out mine was an eight point damage clobbering attack. So it, it, it's actually fun. I, I have to recommend the game. It's crazy. It's wacky. How, how old is this game? I have no clue. Um, uh, it's been so long. I forget the name of it. Luchador Wars, right? <laughs> Lucas, yes, Luchador, Luchador Wars. Luchador. Sorry. Uh, yeah, but uh, uh, Lou, Louis, uh, Matt bought this a couple months ago, maybe a okay. month ago, and he was all excited about playing it. So we finally broke it open this weekend. It's a crazy game. It's uh, I give it a Geek Shock thumbs up. Oh. I also... No, I'm just kidding. What did um, you do? What? No, I uh, actually... Uh, that was it. I rolled up characters <laughs> for Mutant Lord, though. So Good times. That was inspiring. It was, it's, I, really, I, really do like, I really do like the Gamma World thing. It's just crazy and wacky. And I think X-Men in a Mad Max universe is just... That's a movie that has to be made. I'm fine know? with it. I think that that'd be kind of cool. And like I said, take it dead serious. When you get that weirdness... Like that Winnie the Pooh movie. When's that coming out? I want to see that. There's a Winnie yeah. the Pooh movie coming out. There, I should be interested we, in this. We talked about this, right? Yeah, Blood uh, and Honey, right? Uh, it, yes, it's it's a horrific Winnie the Pooh, but Winnie the Pooh is now in the public domain, and this movie's coming out. Oh shit! Yeah, okay, I'll see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, not quite <laughs> like Killer Clowns, which is sort of like yeah, we embrace Ex- the uh, camp. That is amazing. Me. Excuse me. That is an amazing, amazing movie. How dare you? You offend me. <laughs> Double, double offended. Triple. Yeah. Whatever. Double dog triple. Yeah. Jump scares suck hit points out of your face. Uh, got an email that kind of follows up last week's question. Hey, fuckers. Uh, you discussed what your movie would be called. Now, who do you want to pimp it? Let's discuss the unsung heroes of movies. You know their voices, but you never know their names. Sure, everyone knows Don LaFontaine, but... Would you prefer Mark Elliott, the voice of Disney? How about John Later, usually associated with Universal Films? Uh, maybe a touch of Australian charm with Nick Tate. Uh, personally, I would have mine narrated by Percy Rodriguez. No one could sell a Stephen King movie like him. Keep up the good work, Jake. A uh, P.S. Mayo Deb, as the great Seinfeld once said, knowing you is a lot like being in the jungle. I don't know where I am, and I'm really scared. <laughs> <laughs> I already have an answer for this. You have an answer. I have an answer. Real easy. Wayne June. Wayne June. Wayne, uh, who's, who is Wayne June? Wayne June, you will know as the narrator from the game Darkest Dungeon. Oh, If yes. you've ever heard, I mean, go now to YouTube. Pause this podcast and go to YouTube and maybe, look maybe up. Maybe wait till after. Yeah, don't, maybe, don't pause. maybe wait till Just, after. Yeah. And hear this guy do like the intro uh <laughs> the intro voice and then he talks through the entire game and it's amazing i can't I'll try to do a rendition of his oh, voice good luck ruin has come to our family nowhere near you remember our venerable house opulent and imperial gazing proudly from its stoic poor i can't fucking do you it can't it's, do it it's just so cool it's so cool just go go listen to his voice uh, I think I would choose Sidney Miller. Sidney Miller was the voice of Dungeon Master in the Dungeons Dragons cartoon back in the 80s. I'm Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of... Oh, God. Yeah, that's, that's who I want to be my narrator for my movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, hearing you do that, now I remember what he sounds like. Yeah. I can see it. I can dig it. Okay. 
<sighs> it has to be my my narrator. My trailer narrator has to be Gilbert Godfrey. Ah, yes. You yes. know, just Commander K. Kirsten Sapansky wields the power cosmic and has been to far lands where the stars are strange. When he isn't blasting attack ships off the shoulder of Orion, he ranges the Dead Sea bottoms of Barsoom, banishing the hoary hosts of Hoggoth with gigantic melancholies and gigantic mirth. That's pretty good. It's not bad. It's not bad. Not bad. I, I, I just, yeah. Either that or, you know, the Ted Knight from, like, Super Friends? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be... Oh, I can't even do Ted Knight, you know. Now, since they're not here, we get to choose the other two people. So who would be Deb's narrator oh, for, for this? Her, uh, her life story? Oh, I'm, you're thinking, putting... I'm thinking Edith Bunker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm good with Edith Bunker. Yeah, she's, she's going to have words, but yeah. And, uh -huh. and, if sure. I, and if I might make a suggestion for Jeff, Ben Stein. <laughs> That <laughs> is appropriate. Yeah. That is appropriate. There you go. Then we just. I like it. That's what you get when you miss the show. <laughs> Gunter. 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 <laughs> and thank you, Jake, for that follow-up question. Very poignant. That uh, for the unsung heroes. Now I want to play Darkest Dungeon again just to listen to that guy talk. I wanna, seriously. I want to play it just to punish myself. It's it's brutal. I want to watch All in the Family just so I can think about Edith talking about <laughs> Deb. Now I'm trying to picture Edith Bunker doing uh, the narration for Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, it goes something. <laughs> I watch it ruin has come to our family. Okay, that's enough. You that remember our venerable pocket. That, that, that was plenty. That, that's more than we needed. <laughs> <laughs> I lived all my life in that ancient room of shadow manor. <laughs> that makes only makes sense that we go to news you don't give a shit about. No. God, why? Ugh. Ah, news you don't give a shit about. Editors at Penguin's children's imprint Puffin have decided to edit the works of British writer Roald Dahl, known for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Matilda, among many others, an extensive report by the UK newspaper The Telegraph says, quote, language related to weight, mental health, violence, gender, and race have been cut and rewritten, unquote. Oh, come on. Uh, in the what? 1964 novel Charlie and Chocolate Factory, for example, the phrase enormously fat has been edited to just enormous. Uh, that same phrase in the 1970 book Fantastic Mr. Fox has also been edited to just enormous. Uh, the report compares the 2001 editions of Dahl's children's books to the 2022 editions and finds that the word fat has been systematically edited out, including the in The Enormous Crocodile, James and the Giant's Peach, The Twits, and The Witches. Other examples of Puffis, Puffin's editing includes the description of Miss Trunchbull and Matilda, altered from most formidable female to most formidable woman. The Oompa Loompas from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory changed from small men to small people. And Bunce, a little pot-bellied dwarf uh, from Miss Fantastic Mr. Fox, who just Bunce. Uh, <laughs> Puffin and... Uh, wow, find something to be offended by. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. 
Puffin and Roald Dahl Story Company made the edits with Inclusive Minds. That's a collective that specializes in, quote, inclusion and accessibility in children's literature, unquote, according to a spokesperson. Uh, the report quotes the copyright page of Puffin's new editions of Dahl's book saying, quote, This book was written many years ago, and so we regularly review the language to ensure that it can continue to be enjoyed by all today, unquote. A spokesperson for the Roald Dahl Story Company told Variety, quote, We want to ensure that Roald Dahl's wonderful stories and characters continue to be enjoyed by all children today. When publishing new print runs of books written years ago, it's not unusual to review the language used alongside updating other details, including a book's cover and page layout. Our guiding principle throughout has been to maintain the storyline's characters and irreverence and sharp-edged spirit of the original text. Any changes made have been small and carefully considered. As part of our process to review the language used, we worked in partnership with Inclusive Minds, a collective for people who are passionate about inclusion and accessibility in children's literature. The current review began in 2020 before Dahl was acquired by Netflix. It was led by Puffin and Roald Dahl Story Company together, unquote. Uh, there have been allegations of misogyny, racism, and anti-Semitism against Dahl, who died in 1990. And in 2020, and in 2020 his uh, family issued an apology for the writer's, quote, prejudiced remarks, unquote. Uh, so that happened. Ugh. Just, ugh. Now, I, I'm the first to admit that some of Roald's work has been problematic, uh, sp- particularly the depiction of the Oompa Loompas in the books, uh, art-wise, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, oh yeah, it's it's, it's just, strong. Yeah, I, that I get. Uh, uh, however, editing the word, f- okay, you know what, I can, I can just shut up about the rest of it, but you're going to edit out the word fat? Yeah. Fat is not a protected class. That is, your ass can't skip over the cookie aisle. Oh. That's what that is. Uh, as as someone who identifies as fat, yes. 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 I, I agree. Now, Celery, start, Now, I, I know there are some people who know. I know some people <laughs> Just who cannot help themselves as far as there are genetic yeah. things that can't keep you know weight from gain from happening. Uh, however... I don't think that editing down words from a book is going to change much of anything. It's not going to um, change shit. Yeah. Well, and it's also the statement, uh, keep the irreverence and the sharp edge. Well, they're they're definitely blunting the sharp edge. It's, it's the standard, okay, irreverence for whom or what. You know, it's... So it's, it's uh, okay, so we're choosing... We're choosing our targets of irreverence and the sharp edge. And so. I have a hard time in general, even things I disagree with, editing old texts. Yeah. They're, yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I, am, I am no champion of Mein Kampf, but it should be available to be read. Yes. Period. Yes. Well, it's, and, you know, with explain, it, if even if it, whether or not it comes with explanation of context. Yeah. Although context, the explanation of all that. Sure. I, I, and really I have no problem with a forward or an afterwards yeah. explaining that, you know, this was written at a time, whatever, or this is the mindset of the author, or any other apology you feel you need to make about the language. That's fine. But when you edit the language itself and say, no, this is the story going forward because uh, times have changed, so the book must change, mm, I don't agree with that. That's, that's Greedo shooting first bullshit. That's what that is. You're not wrong. Well, wait a minute. 
Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, my brain my brain farted. You, like, you thought it was the opposite? I was like, yeah. Greedo did chew first. No, wait, wait, oh, wait, wait, see? stop. See the brainwashing? <laughs> no, no, blue. It worked on you. Shoom, <laughs> shoom. Oh, the hyper offended got you. Uh, I just, yeah, fell into the pit of despair. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, um, I mean, okay, he, I, I don't know how he turned over his, the rights to his books and stuff, so, you know, there, there can be, it, it can be okay in that way. I, I do believe in art can be mutable, right? But at the same time, I am not a big fan of erasure. I don't care. I don't care how. In fact, I think it's important to to keep that stuff around. You know, it. People can sit there and not. Uh, the erasure that has occurred, like immediately post Civil War during Reconstruction has a lot to do, I think, with people not understanding what non-whites, especially blacks, are, uh, are going through even today because people don't know what exactly happened right after the Civil War. There was a great deal of federal protection for the freedmen, you know, the Freedmen's Bureau, and in fact, I've read multiple times, it, it's really kind of weird, General Grant, when he became president, he actually was like, har- he had horrible policies with um, Native Americans. It, it was terrible. But he actually, actually worked a lot to help and protect freed black slaves in the South. But then when he left the presidency and things got politically complicated, they had to do the compromise, and they got the federal government out of the South, and that's what led to Jim Crow. And people are not understanding a lot of the implications of things like that. We have uh, the Battlefield Mountain. It's uh, it's a mountain, I think, in Georgia. Yes. It's like the Confederate Mount Rushmore. Now, a lot of people are like, that's culture. They're just, look. And what they don't know because of erasure is that mountain was where Nathan Bedford Forrest, founder of the Ku Klux Klan, and a couple other guys, lit up giant flaming crosses when federal troops were finally leaving the South. And it was a giant declaration to the black communities, okay, guess what's coming? And that sort of, that sort of thing is what happens or the erasure of that sort of leads to you know what's all the fuss about racism today that goes on so i think that that's my that tends to be my problem with erasure we sure we may not want you may not want your overweight kid reading that and i can understand that but at the same time uh, there, there, there can be a generational sense down the line that oh, Raul Dahl, you know, he he really he wrote that. You know, it's like the the fat that, is not a protected class. You know, well, they, people are you know, trying to make it like that. They're and, trying to, and there there are, and that itself. I can't blame them for trying. Everyone wants to be special. Well, there is that, but um, 
there, there, of course, one of my my unpopular viewpoints, if you would say it, is that there are health implications that a lot of oh, yeah. the, the a lot of the uh, protecting people who who are overweight kind of ignore. Yeah, and uh, there's even actually false information out there about the health implications of being overweight. So damn. And, and, and this episode brought to you by Fago Firework, <laughs> loaded with high fructose corn syrup. It's, it, it says even right on there, genuine, <laughs> delicious, and it is. It's wonderful. And I love how it pimps naturally and <laughs> artificially flavored. <laughs> I love how you noted it's like they're saying it like it's a good thing. <laughs> oh, we're killing ourselves with food. This episode brought to you by Celery. <laughs> there this, you go. This episode, like all episodes, brought to you by Bad Choices. Wouldn't it be Nature's f- candy. <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if we just started doing that joke? This episode brought to you, as always, by Celery. And eventually it turns out there is a Celery Growers Association. <laughs> and they're like, we didn't endorse Geek Shock. We do not stand by Geek Shock. Nor should they. Hey, <laughs> Capriotti's didn't uh, endorse us, but we still pimped them all the same, uh, and well, they gave us sandwiches. Well, I was going to say, he That's some old shit. quite didn't endorse us, but he definitely... You got some sandwiches, so they're, they're, that's a little bit of sponsorship. <laughs> celery <laughs> Growers of America, if you're a thing, by all means, send us celery at Torgoli. Okay, For- now... Forced. Now, now, Geek Shock viewers, um, of course, we know, we all know, of course, about Pornhub, Right. I've what, heard of it. What a lot of people don't know is that uh, there is some there there is there is some content on Pornhub that is actually not porn. And what uh, I'm, lo- it, I'm sorry, news, right news, news flash: Barry just had a conniption fit after Googling something. Celery Growers Cooperative. There's a Michigan Celery Cooperative, <laughs> California Celery Research Advisory Board. I'm writing all Re- these people. Research Advisory Board? I'm going to write all these people after this episode. Oh, my God. I am, too. <laughs> no, you're not. Oh, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to write them about? Okay. They're actually death threats. But, yeah. Todd- <laughs> now, luckily, luckily for the Celery Research Council, Todd's too lazy to fucking write a death threat. <laughs> no, no what, but there are things in there that are not necessarily porn. And I have long been campaigning, and I get tremendous resistance from these two fools. Uh, I think we need to put, we have a 10-minute video, 5-minute video of uh, Vlarg and Torgo eating a Capriotis uh, Bobby. Turkey Bobby. And this is that, the... It, it, this ju- is it's the just ca- the Bobby. I used to say Turkey Bobby. Right, it's the just Bobby. the Bobby. It's the Bobby. The cold one. The Which is girl. essentially a Thanksgiving dinner in a roll. Yeah. And it is wonderful. <laughs> it yes. really is wonderful. Uh, but when... When news of this reached Capriotti's, that's where we got the sandwiches because they posted it on the Ugly Couch show for the video cast. It, it now, of course, the video, it, you know, it's all in abeyance and what have you. I've been campaigning to have Todd put that video up on Pornhub with a Geek Shock, <laughs> extensive Geek Shock labeling. And of course, he has resisted mightily. And uh, what do you guys think? I think that this is totally on brand. I think we should do it, but with celery. With we just have the guy. Oh, we could do celery, but just having the guys eating a bobby for five minutes. There is nothing else, and we put it on Pornhub, and it ends with a Geek Shock logo. 
I think it's brilliant. I think I'm onto something here, and I'm just being fought. And I just, I just, I well, want to know see, what the geek shock the, monkeys think. We we could we could do this one or two ways. We could do this on YouTube and have a, a channel called Torgo Eats. And it, we, and it would just be like five, ten minute clips of him just eating random shit. If you have ever seen Community, you'll see, uh, was it, uh, Leonard reviews potato chips or whatever. And it's the dumbest thing. But we could do that with Torgo. Torgo eats a sandwich. Torgo has celery. Torgo drinks Fago. Whatever. If you watch it, monkeys, I'm judging you harshly. Now, if we put it on Pornhub... It's like there's a fetish for it. Well, there so now one of the is. many categories they have, you know, with, yeah. all the, with redhead, big tits, yeah. you know, whipping. One of them will be food. Yeah, does that exist? Torgo, I don't know. it's got to be right? Torgo eating. I don't know. Uh, I, I, the thing, the thing I like about it is that people will start watching this, wondering when the sandwich delivery girl is going to come out of the bathroom going, oh, no, it's gonna my, be- you know, my, my pant button broke. No, they won't. And they, they'll move on before that. It's going to be all <laughs> ASMR. And and, and the, the thing, well, there you go. Yeah, that's true. Actually, oh, yeah. my God. There's oh. a, I, I am so brilliant. I don't even know oh. how brilliant I am. That's what it's going to be. Yeah, the category is ways to lose your heart on. That's- <laughs> <laughs> so I'm all for this. I think it would go viral. I think the outrage at Geek Shock would, as Barry says, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah. So, but they, they fight me, guys. They fight me every step of the way. So I just, I want to know what the Shock Monkeys the, think. Every step of the way. This is the only step he's taking. <laughs> Yeah, it is, isn't it? No, I've suggested it before. And yes, Todd, he's Todd, taking that one step every time that steps back. Then Todd ignored, well, I don't have the video. I'd put it up. I'll make a Pornhub account. Uh, feel free. <laughs> so anyway. I, I, I give you permission in fact, for in you fact, to go ahead and In fact, that. Steve and I, I speak uh-huh. for Steve because I know him. I know him like, you know, the back of my hand. Uh, with Don't the kid scratches, what that means, but all right. uh, well, my back of my hand has been across his face a few times. By no, um, Gotta keep that pimp hand strong. You can put the uh, Stephen Kirsten Sprite challenge right up on, on the same Pornhub channel for this Geek is Shock. where we started with the with the bubbles in the Pellegrino. Yeah, oh yeah. shit, we've already turned around on this. <laughs> all right, yeah, see, we come full circle. Pellegrino, really? <laughs> Little bubbles. Tiny bubbles. Naturally yeah. carbonated. Whatever the fuck that means. Tiny bubbles. News you don't give a shit about how perfect. Humble game. Oh, you know what? I'm buying this for you. Oh, when fuck. it comes out, Barry, I'm buying this for you, and I need your full review. Okay. Humble Games and Summerfall Studios have announced their game, Stray Gods, the role-playing musical. Please don't buy that for we'll me. We'll be releasing this year. Please don't buy that for me. This game will let players make many different choices on how to achieve their own ends in the game through interactive musical events. Uh. Here's the official synopsis. Stray Gods, the role-playing musical, is an interactive role-playing musical game set in a modern fantasy world where Greek gods live hidden among us. College dropout Grace is quickly pulled into that world when she is granted the power of a muse, power she'll need to find out the truth behind her predecessor's death. The choices players make as they charm, negotiate, and strong-arm their way through the game, including in original all fully interactive musical numbers will impact their path to the end. 
Along the way, players will shape the soundtrack to their one-of-a-kind musical experience as they help Grace find her voice, determining whom she allies with, who she can trust, and who may betray her with four potential paramours. Players can even stoke the fires of romance and explore, pursue, and confess their love. Unquote. I never want to play this game. I never want to see this game. The game is written by David Gator, who was a writer on Dragon Age and Knights of the Old Republic. Ah, good, good pedigree. Yeah, yeah. With songs by Grammy-nominated composer Austin Wintory, who did the music for Journey and Banner Saga. Wait, songs? Comes with a soundtrack? Well, it's a musical. Someone's got to write the music. Uh, Scott Edgar, Stephen Gates, Simon Hall of Tripod, and Australian art pop musician and Twitch streamer Montagna. Uh, Troy Baker is voice directing, and so far the game stars Laura Bailey as Grace, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, and many more cast members from games, television, and Broadway to be revealed soon. Wait. And you can currently wish list Stray Gods on Steam. Okay, see, you said role-playing game. Yeah, Maybe it's a role-playing my, game. My, thing, my, my mind went to tabletop. No, 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 no. Where this you would is, have to sing is, your way through shit. No, that's coming. That's terrible. Uh, but uh, th- th- this is not any better. This is a video game. This is not any better. Yeah, so as you, you play this in the comfort of your office. See, uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, <laughs> the horror that was going through my mind mm. as, uh, as as my brain just kind of shut you off and muted you while you were talking mm. was the picture of Deb finding out about this and <laughs> buying this role-playing game, forcing me to sit through it where you would have like, it'd be like Glee, the... Uh, uh, but yeah. for 5e. It'd be, nah, nah. It'd be more venturesome than Glee and more songs. It'd be more like Cop Rock. Cop, I was waiting yeah. for the yeah, Cop yeah, Rock yeah, reference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there yeah, there it is. Yeah. No. Never playing that game. But this is something <laughs> This is something also awful. Wow. That I will also not play. My goodness. I think you should play it. I, I, I think he'd I, really enjoy it. I think it, it I think has he, Barry I, written all over I it. I think he'd enjoy it more than he would like to admit. His heart would grow at least two times bigger. At least. Yeah, just like the time you bought me that horse game where you got to comb the horse's hair. You played that. <laughs> I played it out of spite. <laughs> and, spite. And, and I also bought you cricket. Yes, and I tried it. And I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> this is stupid. And I quit. Barbie horse adventures and cricket. Uh, Barbie what? horse adventures. <laughs> Was it Barbie? I don't know. It was horse adventures. <laughs> Now you get to name your horses, and you gotta you gotta put them in the stable, and you could brush their hair. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love when Steam opened up the option to gift games to people. It was I a, know you did. It was a joyful day. I'm lucky. I never got Barbie though. I so. gave you good games. Yes, you did. I, got I didn't do the same to Carcassonne. And uh, you, you gave him Carcassonne, <laughs> and I get fucking Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Barbie horse adventures. <laughs> Fuck you, Torgo. <laughs> Fucking Barbie horse. I'm sorry, this this role playing thing just annoys me, even if it's not real, it's annoying me in my head how much I would hate for it to be real because you would force us to play it and you would prepare whole musical numbers before the before the game. I would find karaoke tracks. There would be dance numbers as well. Well, if and you, you want would the, get if Deb you want, into it, too. If you want the dice bonus, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm angry at the thought of the possibility of this existing. Nice dance, Jeff. You get the roll with advantage. <laughs> 
everything, every battle is a rap battle. I love how this non-existent game is just killing him. <laughs> he's, his arms folded. He's, he's, he's turning into a ball. Yeah, yeah. He is. <laughs> just, just, why am I so angry about this shit that doesn't exist? He's collapsing in on himself. I feel myself he, he, getting hot about Cross the Schwarzschild radiant Oy, of eight. My specific heat boundary. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, I could continue on with the show, but I want to keep talking about this. <laughs> Weekend Geek! Hooray! Woo-hoo! Film Studio Millennium Media announced its new reboot of the Hellboy series this week at Berlin's EFM. In an all-new installment that departs completely from the several prior adaptations, it follows... The new film, entitled Hellboy, The Crooked Man, will be directed by Brian Taylor, who directed Crank, and is adapted from a comic of the same name released in 2008. Notably, the new film is the first time comic creator Mike Mignola will be behind the script. Following the 2004 box office success of Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy and the less-than-seller performance of the 2019 version penned by Andrew Crosby. In the new story, Hellboy and a rookie agent finds themselves... find themselves tasked with finding local witches and devilish characters in 1950s Appalachia. In the production's announcement, the studio explained it wants to create a wholly unique and yet still authentic slate of Hellboy films. Quote, The Crooked Man is a departure from all previous Hellboy films, where Mike Magnola and the creator of the comics will finally shepherd an authentic version of his stories and characters in film form, said Millennium Media President Jeffrey Greenstein. Uh, production and the new film begins in March in association with Dark Horse Entertainment. So, are you not only ready for more Hellboy, but if you're not ready, does it change that Mike Mignola is going to do the story this time? I never read the original Hellboys. I only yeah. I, my only experience with Hellboy was the movies, and I thought they were fun. I guarantee they're a departure from whatever the comics were. Uh, mm. But to an extent, know. yeah, really. Yeah, the the comics. The thing about Mignola is that he really, he really draws from folklore, and so you can read the comics, and everything you're reading, you're sort of like, oh yeah, I've heard something about that, and that itself creates its own kind of mystical, you know, feeling about the story. You really should read some Hellboy because it's, it is actually. Uh, I mean, he really, he really just does deep dives into folklore, myth, all sorts of, uh, you know, supernatural horror stuff like that. And he draws on it very, very well. I've always liked, I mean, his art is iconic, but I, I actually, you know, I love the art, but I also, his writing, I think was, his stories were just great. So this actually sounds in. I'm interested in who's going to be Hellboy. Uh, I, I I haven't seen the Harbor version yet. I want to. I don't know how uh, how be, he was. It's going to be Kevin it. Hart. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That'd be great. I, I'm kind of surprised, yeah. frankly, that Hellboy has this much legs over time. Mm-hmm. When Hellboy first came out, it was an undiscovered thing for most people. Yes. And the movie did all right. Uh, it was didn't do gangbusters, but it did okay enough. More culty. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I'm very surprised by how much staying power that has had. That it's that Hollywood, or at least factions of Hollywood, thought they could do more with it. Well, you know, also if you if you go in the direction of the comics, it's not super super effects heavy. Your heaviest effect is going to be Hellboy. So you can actually also look at a lower budget. You don't have to you don't need 150 to 200 million to make a Hellboy movie. And especially if they go with this Appalachia uh witch thing. <clears throat> Blair Witch Hellboy, you know. So it I, um and I think Todd maybe maybe the the folklore approach is kind of why it has legs. Perhaps. You know, maybe I'm on to something. I don't know. They want to do folklore. They should just do fables. I mean, I'm not surprised why well, it happened to begin with. I mean, it's Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro gravitates toward this stuff. Oh, yeah. So This is totally him. So, But once that left his hands, the fact that other people are like, oh, yeah, let's let's uh, try our hand at this. That's what surprises me. I don't know. I, I, every time I see something that's being redone or done again or whatever, I... I weep because there's so many other properties I want to see made into live action that haven't done yet, like Fables, where it's well, folklore. I think Fables is its own... Uh, it, I know it did it in a comic, but probably translating the movie, there's probably a minefield of licensing there that, that the... A lot of that stuff is public domain yeah. now, and I wouldn't do it in the movies. I would do a, a series. Mm-hmm. Did you ever re- play the uh, Telltale game? You know, I didn't. It's worthwhile. As, okay. a t- as a Fable fan, I highly recommend it. What's it called? The uh, Wolf Among Us, I Wolf think. Wolf Among Us. Okay, yeah. But oh, I'm a big Fable fan. Right also, the other, other thing about Fables, Bill Willingham, an original D&D artist. Ah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, his uh, in the, the, like, the BX stuff, his and Jeff D are the, the, the real quality, the really professional kind of polished art that you would see in those. Yeah. Uh, Years ago, when James Cameron's Avatar sequel was still in development, there was speculation if there was still even a market f- for more of the series. Well, wonder no more. Avatar The Way of the Water is now the third highest grossing film of all time. Over the weekend, it surpassed Titanic to take the spot. So far, the film has made uh, $2.2 billion globally. Uh, Cameron now has three of the top four highest-grossing global movies of all time, Avatar at number one, Way of Water at number three, and Titanic at number four. I should probably see that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I feel the same way. Watch party! Well, we were going to watch it, and then we went to Quantum Mania instead, because... You know, I because you guys are uh, hip really, and on top of the edge and, and I don't trendy. Really care about Avatar, but I, I will say this: going to the 3D thing earlier, I'm with you, Barry. Ever since I saw the last Star Trek movie in 3D, that just washed the taste of 3D out of my mouth. I had such a yeah. bad experience. Well, with it. well, yeah, but Avatar, however, is built for it. Yes. It's built for it. Cameron exactly. knows what he's doing. That's the that's the huge difference. And I've had no better 3D experience than that first Avatar. Yes. Right. Yeah. And it, yeah, cuz all the post production 3D, I don't even bother with that really. But the um, yeah, Way of the Water was I it was eye popping. And they actually they fi- finally somebody fucking starts doing Underwater 3D. I don't know why filmmakers have been intimidated by it, but to me, that is like the perfectly natural step. 
I remember when uh, th- remember we had that Atlantis thing fucking ride here in Vegas. Oh, at uh, at Caesar's Palace, and it was it was uh, a 3D, and I was like, oh, this is going to be cool, and it didn't go underwater, <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> what is it, guys? This is Atlantis in the sky. Yes, and it was just like <laughs> it was lame underwater. That's I uh, maybe maybe there are technical implications I'm overlooking, but that's the next logical step for your 3D. That's the perfect environment to film in 3D, and we finally get a little bit of that in Way of the Water. They need to bring back smell vision. <laughs> Do they now? Well, that was just they just handed you a card to scratch. No, and sniff, no, 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 no. Or did no, they no, pump no. that in? Yes, and that was the problem because one thing, one the, smell would not negate they, the, the others. The ventilation was not didn't do it, and so you'd get the smell of roses, and then you'd get the smell of whatever, and it just started accumulating, and it wouldn't go away. Disney and, does it right with soaring over California and soaring over America because mm-hmm. you could. There's a certain scent you right. get. And it's just wonderful. And they even do that with uh, the Avatar ride at uh, in Pandora Land in mm. Animal Kingdom. Um, if you've ever been on that, oh, man, that's a great ride. And the water sprays at you and just like mist. And you get a smell of the jungle in Pandora or whatever. It's really nice. So smell-o-vision can work. But you can't just insert it into any theater. No, you need a theater that's built for it with yeah. like where, the, where there's wind. In yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where you're drawing the smell out. Away, yeah. Where there's some negative pressure outside the door to pull it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, just for you people that do come to Vegas every now and then, I want to go back to the Atlantis thing. If you go to the forum shops at Caesars, they still have the animatronic show. Do they still go with that? That was an introduction to that ride. Like, it's... Now I think the only thing I can say that's nearby there it's it's by the Nike store and the cheesecake factory, cheesecake factory right yeah. and the uh, and there's a big fish tank. Nothing says cheesecake factory like Zeus. Yeah, uh, but and, and I believe they still do it every on the hour, every hour on the hour. I did not know that. We need to go and see that again. Uh, it's it's in various states of repair. Uh, yes, always. Uh, but is. the last I saw it, it was decently working. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's this whole like seven ten minute animatronic mm-hmm, show mm-hmm. about how atlantis fell yeah and then it would urge you to go next door into the escape from atlantis ride yeah which i think it still kind of does uh, but there's no ride <clears throat> there anymore now there's just this free introduction to it that's yeah a little goofy with zeus getting mad and destroying it and it's over that giant fish tank now yeah. isn't it yeah that's what Which, hides the big throne and i the big kind of lots of fire i yeah. feel bad for the fish because what's it like <laughs> to be in that water with every hour there were two uh animatronic shows yeah. at the forum shops the other one they got rid of and they put stupid shops in there yeah but it was the statues would like come to life and yep. talk and it was really kind of neat mm-hmm. i enjoyed that the, the animatronics were not Kiss mini golf animatronics. No, they were proper, yeah. properly built animatronics. Th- those faces actually were impressive. Very for impressive. the time. They were very. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they now kind of have a little palsy, but they're good otherwise. <laughs> they got dropsy, <laughs> <laughs> lumbago, <laughs> gout. Our gout is acting up. Destroy Atlantis. Fuck those guys. Paramount is set to reboot the classic horror title Sleepy Hollow. 
with Lindsay Beer writing, directing, and producing alongside Todd Gardner and Spencer Walken of Broken Road Productions. The tale about the headless horseman who terrorizes a small town and its newest resident, Ichabod Crane, seen many iterations over the decades, including the 1949 Disney animated movie and the 2010's Fox TV series. Uh, most popular one, of course, was the Paramount 1999 Tim Burton film. That film grossed more than $200 million at the worldwide box office and remains a, well, to some people, a must-watch in the Halloween season. Uh, Beer made her directorial debut in the upcoming uh, Pets and the upcoming Pet Cemetery prequel for Paramount. Uh, prior to making her jump to directing, Beer has been one of the most sought-after writers in Hollywood, having recently worked with the new Star Wars fil- Star Wars Trek film, Big Difference, Star Trek film for Paramount <laughs> and Bad Robots. <laughs> You know, the the space movie. She also recently turned in a draft to remake uh, Bambi for Disney and Hello Kitty for New Line and Bo Flynn. In television, she's serving as writer and showrunner on several projects, including showrunner on Netflix, The Magic Order, based on the comics by Mark Miller. Are you down for another uh, run of Sleepy Hollow, gentlemen? No. I was just like, uh, following Barry's mini rant about... uh, New stuff. I thought that was kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah, just uh, yet yet another thing. I'm like, ugh. I was never really interested in Sleepy Hollow as a kid, or as an adult, or as whatever the fuck I am now. Uh, I, it's it's not interesting. It's it's supposed to be like a horror tale or whatever, or a, like an old folk tale that's like well, supposed to be wa- scary. Washington or... Irving story, uh, Ichabod and. Uh, from bones, yeah, and actually, I—I I mean, the the Disney thing I remember as a kid scaring the hell out of me. Just a, sure, that's a well-designed horseman. Probably created the iconic look for many, many yeah, children. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but uh, yeah, like Barry, I'm like, I, I don't need to see different. You know, I'm not. Well, what's James Bond, uh, James Gunn's headless horseman gonna be like? I kind of want to see that. I actually don't so i don't care yeah yeah i'm just not interested unless it's radically different right like the headless motorcycle man or something you know i don't know yeah or his his you know it's the other headless oh no 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 what Amazon Studios has acquired the rights to the comic book series eight billion genies by charles soule and ryan brown the first project to come from the acquisition is a feature film that will executive produce by Soul and Brown and will serve as the basis of a cross-media universe. Uh, Eight Billion Genies is a series that asks what if everyone on the planet had one wish. At exactly the same moment, everyone on Earth gets a genie and one wish, and eight seconds later, the world has transformed. I wish no one else have any wishes. Has world has transformed forever. I dig it. I want to see that. That's neat. That is an interesting idea. That's like Wonder Woman 1984, but probably better. Everyone gets a wish and the world is ruined. Yeah, that that's Wonder Woman 84 all over the place. Yeah. Don't you remember what happened? Not really. Well, she had a wish. Everyone had Chris, wishes. Chris Pine uh, then took over some guy's body and yes, everybody goofy. was okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> cheetah became a cheetah. Yeah, yeah. That's all I really remember. I don't remember that movie Cheetah became very well. a cheetah, and uh, Pedro Pascal just life is good, but it could be better. That's the best part of that film. <laughs> that dude's been doing a lot, a lot. 
God, I just saw him in the uh, 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 Nick Cage film. Uh, unbearable weight of massive talent or whatever. And it's fucking Ooh, hilarious. I got to watch that. Dude, still. it's good. <clears throat> it's a fun, fun film. And it's Nick Cage over the top mm-hmm. and admitting it and, and just embracing it. Joe and Anthony Russo, that's the guys behind Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, have been developing their next film project, The Electric State, with Millie Bobby Brown set to star. It was written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. That They wrote uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and Civil War, respectively, and has officially landed at Netflix. The film is based on an adaptation of the illustrated novel by Simon Stolnag and is set in a retro-futuristic past. Quote, where an orphan teenager traverses the American West with a sweet but mysterious robot and eccentric drifter in search for her younger brother, unquote. Film is looking at a fall start date, and the uh, budget will start around $200 million. They couldn't Ooh. find an American girl for that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't I, I'm not a big fan of Millie Bobby Brown. No? Yeah, yeah. just not. I, I can't back that up. I'm, it's, it's not rational. No, I, just, I get it. I just, I'm just not a big fan of hers. Yeah. And I have no idea what this this is. Is this based on something? A, a book, a, yeah. an illustrated novel by okay. well, is it by good? Simon Stonehouse. Has anyone read this? I, I, I think they're Norwegian. It looks like a Norwegian. Oh, it's gonna be great then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna be wonderful. There you go. C three PO. We get extra fire for my your brother. Popcorn. Lots of butter in the popcorn. Watch that. Don't put your <laughs> oh, foot in it. Oh my goodness. So retro futuristic past. That's uh, that's the Fallout aesthetic, pretty much, right? Yeah, kind of. I don't know. No, the American West with a sweet but mysterious robot. That sounds. That's totally Fallouty. Yeah. That sounds, you know, sweet robot, whatever, cozy fantasy. <laughs> what? what? What does that even mean? Actually, that's a that's out there. Is that a thing? Cozy fantasy. Cozy. Fantasy. Help me out with that. Dude, I don't. I can't help that you. That sounds out more like a porn category. Dude, I can't. I can't actually explain it Something because I don't pillows. quite understand it. Oh. It, 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 it kind of is. It's just Fluffy blankets. Scott Odin, who has written a number of fantasy novels, like Lion of Cairo. Uh, he's also writing the. Um, oh, I forget the name of his character. It's sort of like a half orc. He wanted to do an orc fantasy, and there's okay. this. The way he explains it, though, is this orc is from... Uh, Venus? Uh, Better from Mars? From uh, Nordic mythology. Oh, okay. So he's like he's like a troll, like a Nordic kind of warrior troll living in Christendom and trying to deal with that, you know? Okay. And, okay. Uh, and it's not amusing. It's not an amusing story. It's, it's, a, it's a violent fantasy thing. Doesn't sound fun. Fuzzy to me. Yeah. yeah. So, well, Fluff, he, fluffy, fluffy. He, uh, he actually, people are talking about cozy fan. You can Google it and find it. And they're talking about it on the, uh, the Whetstone Discord because Odin's, uh, one of the, one of the members of it. And he's like, man, I keep trying to write this, but I, I just can't do it. <laughs> Because he tried to write his version of cozy fantasy and it just didn't work. And I don't, Barry, it's like, you still haven't defined it's, it. It's like, I don't know, it's like uh, an elf helping someone cook a meal. I mean, it's just, it's literally cozy fantasy. It's, it's. Okay, so like low key. Yes. Not low key, but low key. Low key situations, but yeah. with fantasy creatures. Kind of, so, sort of. Like, uh, meet the Fockers, except the Fokker was an ogre or something, or the father was an ogre. 
That's probably harder than Cozy Fantasy. That frankly. may very well be harder than Cozy Fantasy, but I'm kind of mystified and, and, and a little sickeningly impressed that you pulled that out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because that kind of works. I don't know. I literally don't understand it. I literally don't get it. So Okay, Google said, what is Cozy Fantasy? A Cozy Fantasy may be just what you're looking for, featuring good-hearted characters, supportive friends, magical elements, and often even found family cozy... Fa what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I like when his sentences end. I know. You know he's reading something fun. <laughs> it just... No, it just <laughs> fell apart. The, the sentence falls apart. And often even found family cozy fantasies are a great palate cleanser between epic fantasy oh, reads... found family. Heartwarming... Okay, so... Yeah, heartwarming right. tales. So, except something's in fantasy. I I love I love that because you actually said it. One of the elements is supportive friends. It's like, wow, there's a market for people who want to read stories about supportive friends. <laughs> except where one of them is a dragon. <laughs> right, right, sure. I guess uh, I'm I'm seeing as a recast with D and D classes. Uh, oh God, what? No God, you no. motherfucker! I know where you're going with this. I don't like, like this, I don't what? like it. A steaming pile of fago. The Breakfast Club. <laughs> the Breakfast Club. Yeah, but recast with Dungeons and Dragons classes. Okay. Uh, Cozy. I. Uh, <sighs> I don't. Yeah, dude, the barbarian can put dude, lipstick on with his tits. It's gonna be great, dude. It makes me nauseous. What? But, wait, but wait. Barry's... Why Molly Ringwald the barbarian? <laughs> well, you got to recast something. That makes the most sense. She's a sorcerer. She's an enchantress. And I say gender stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This is the Puffins Roald Dahl Writing Association version of... Oh, God, no. Ali Sheedy's a fucking warlock, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Molly Ringwald is the... How did we start doing this? <laughs> Molly Ringwald is a sorcerer. Um, because she's charisma based. All right, okay. Michael Anthony Hall, wizard. All right, low level wizard. Yeah, he's like the wizard in the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Oh yeah, presto. All right, so so then uh, Emilio Estevez, the Ooh. wrestling kid, fighter. Fi okay, generic fighter, and then uh, rogue, rogue, rogue. I don't know. Really? I think non singing bard. <laughs> Where the fuck do you get barred out of that? Well, we we you know like like Todd said, we gotta we gotta dress it up a bit. We gotta move for a modern audience. Yes, move away from the stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Inclusive culture. All right, there were two other characters. In that. There were two other characters. <laughs> yes, in you, that the janitor. What was he? Uh, an NPC. That's it. That's it. Specialist, specialist janitor. <laughs> okay. And the principal. And Mr. And Mr. Vernon. The lich. Yeah. <laughs> lich. You lich. Know, you know. Sure. A minotaur lich, because you mess with the bull, you get the horns. I would love to see that this Let's... new Dungeon Dragons movie coming out that is just like the Breakfast Club. That would be great if they kind of adapted the Breakfast Club and just didn't tell anybody. That'd be great. I love that. But let, let's let's uh, let's let's break it open a little bit more. Mister Vernon, instead as a beholder, you mess with the stalk, you oh, get the eyes. Oh yeah. yes, beholder. Okay, beholder's good. Beholder's okay. very good. I can get behind that. That works. I think I think uh, 
What's his name though? Actually, Rogue. That's almost too easy. Like Barbarian the, Rogue, maybe some. Oh, you're gonna multi-class people now. Well, I mean, because he. I mean, sure, you've got that shady element, but he really is filled with a lot of rage. Come I, on, I he's angry. I don't have a problem with multi-class. I love multi-class oh, yeah, I characters. Yeah. <laughs> I triple multi-class characters. I fuck them right up. Uh, well, that's one of the reasons why first edition is one of my favorites because that's one of the best multi-class systems. Really? No, I think so. Yeah, it goes I think right so. there with Thaco. I mean, it, it's <sighs> you. You Bard, fucking halfling, dick, How dare you, bastard, nothing, Fago drinking, nothing wrong with Thaco if you have a chart in front of you. <laughs> the whole point of Thaco is you don't need the chart, so you just you just showed how colossally stupid the whole thing is. There's a chart. It's all you need. Quit playing role master. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, what's next? Uh, ah, Nell Tiger Free who was part of Game of Thrones, Servant is set to star in the 20th century's First Omen, a prequel to the classic horror franchise The Omen. Arkasha Stevenson will make her feature directing debut on the film, will also handle the rewrite alongside writing partner Tim Smith. The original 1976 movie grossed over $60 million at the domestic box office, just for inflation, and starred Gregory Peck, Lee Remick, and... And Harvey Stevens follows an American ambassador who believes his five-year-old son is the Antichrist. Yeah. It spawned two sequels, 1978's Damien Omen 2, that made $26 million, and 1981's The Final Conflict, that made $20 million, as well as the 2006 reboot, that made $120 million worldwide. Starred Liv Schreiber, Julia Stiles. Uh, there's been other follow-ups on the small screen. Exact plot details as to where those new <laughs> film pickups is under wraps, but uh, that is happening. I didn't even remember they redid it. They did. Yeah, it, it wasn't yeah. bad. It was, it wasn't shot for shot, but it was a real close remake. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, the, boy, that movie. I saw that a lot on cable. Oh, sure. My mom loved that movie, so that thing was always on. I would always see the third one for some reason. It wasn't that. I never. I actually never saw the sequels. Yeah, no, so no, I I've only seen the original and the remake yeah. of the original. Yeah. Yeah. Now, prequel actually kind of kind of makes sense because there is there is lore. There really? is lore. There is background in that movie. Like the the monastery dude who's all fucked up from the fire yes. and can only like what he can like only write with like two fingers or something and he's like scribbling the I mean, uh if if that's included, that's gonna that could be some cool stuff. Yes, that's that's a lot of background lore. It's called the Catholicism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the horror movie. Yeah. Perfect for horror. Yeah. No, I dig. I dig the omen. I could. I could get behind that. And it's been enough time b- between now and the and the and the original. Sure. That enough people have forgotten. And it's so important to have a good amount of time between your movie and its prequel or its sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Just ask the thing. <laughs> Jesus. The thing, the thing prequel was very disappointing. Uh. And you know what? It wasn't disappointing in that it was made or the story was disappointing it was that they decided to lean so hard into digital effects because the original film is all about practical effects that it really hurt it a lot and i guess they originally were writing to do practical effects but the studio stepped in and said no 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 too expensive let's do no, uh, no, digital no, effects. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah and to think that all of that would have been avoided if they had just spoken norwegian yeah. And heard the guys on the helicopter saying, Nine, it's not the dog and 
Shoot the dog. It's that, not the dog. That was the quote right there. Yeah. See, everyone should learn Norwegian. Yeah. It and will, eat celery. This will save you and eat Norwegian celery. It's the best, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, Brought to you by the Norwegian Celery, celery Research Association. <laughs> <laughs> What's your cellular association? Write to us. Comments at GeekShockPodcast.com. Oh, I love that that actually exists. I can't wait to I mean, not the Norwegian one, but what a... <laughs> Gear Association. My podcast host won't eat celery. Change his mind. Love, Lark. Well, you've just written it for there me. You, go. you know what? This could be a viral marketing campaign for Geek Shock. Everybody write into your local celery association. <laughs> and say, these guys do not eat enough celery. Yeah. They support nerd hobbies, which are all sedentary, and they're getting fat as fuck. Please help them. Because as we all know from the Fable games, eating celery makes you lose weight. And I want to thank our <laughs> svelte brisket tier... <laughs> Briscoe Taco Tier, Dan Setlasa, Daniel Loser, Snoop Two, Elizabeth W, Gabriel Adame, Gadrian Kirsch, Adrian Kirsch, excuse me, uh, Major Meh, Michael Hoffman, Azrael175, Mohan Nair, The Microscope, Steve Biggs, Elena Nup, Kenton Miller, Asia Shockey, haha, uh. Alexander West, Gomer Geek, and Leon Cox, and of course, Tier 4 members, King Vault, Deb T, David Farrar, J.R. Conkle, and you beautiful, beautiful Tier 5 people, Atomic Gumby, Glumly, Mad Martron, Ozzy Matt, and Jeff Harris, and once again, King Vault, thank you for your one-off gift this week. My goodness. Yeah, you are the best, King Vault. A special thank you to our theme song creator, Sam Heffernan. That song's The Burning Light. Find it at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And, of course, you, beautiful listener, for joining us in our ridiculous little geek show. Thank you so much. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. And Commander K. And Vlar. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Now, let's recast Pretty in Pink. Uh, who, what, what? Duck, what kind of class is Ducky? That's a bard. Bard, totally bard. 100% bard. Totally annoying bard. Uh, how about uh, Matthew McConaughey's role? Oh, rogue? Probably. That's a, that's, that's a trick question. There's no Matthew McConaughey in that movie. I was going to say, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. What are See, you doing? Rogue. My he just, excuse- it's just based on the man himself. <laughs> my that's a bullshit. <laughs> That's some that's some that's some shoving in there. Yeah. I am calling Barry. I am calling the people that take fat out of books on you. <laughs> I never saw the movie. What's your excuse? <laughs> I can remember it. It's, I've seen it once. <laughs> I love that though. Ro- you can, you like, can see his brain <laughs> straining. You're like, <laughs> Rogue's kind of like a catch-all, man. There, that is true. It's when you when all else fails, you Rogue. Okay, cast of friends. Cast of friends. This is a good one. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> what do you got? Well, I didn't watch. I'm asking, what's wrong? You've never. I guess you have. Uh, I've seen an episode. There's a Phoebe in it. She likes cats. Uh, she's a ranger. Uh, Phoebe could be a ranger. Ross, a wizard. Joey's probably the bard, fucking everything. Chandler, Chandler, Chandler. I don't know. We may have to go into wizard subclasses. I don't know. Ooh. So. But where do you go with uh, Monica, Rachel? I mean, you know, they're they're all hotties. Um, barbarian, wow. barbarian. <laughs> no, 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 barbarian. No, 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 Monica's a barbarian. Monica's Monica's Monica a barbarian. is a barbarian. That yes. is very true. That is very true. With like OCD, she's a barbarian. So. And uh, Rachel would be a wood nymph. We're talking classes. 
Playable you can be, you classes. Can be, you can be a wood nymph now in Dungeons and Dragons. That's now, a, that's not That's a then. race, not a class. Yeah. We're not doing races class. That's BX. Oh, that is BX. That's that's very blue box. We're, we're doing five. Yeah. Five yeah, Back oh, then. Like, oh, then she's was... a half elf, and she has all the powers of a half elf, including improvision. She's definitely a half elf, or is she an elf? Half elf. Half elf? Yeah. Okay. Half elf. Sure. Pump up that charisma. Let's go cleric. Cleric? No, that's no. a wisdom-based class. If it is. <laughs> you know. So. Let's go paladin. Paladin? Really? You wow. See it there as a paladin? Nah. Nah. <laughs> Maybe, nobody maybe in Rachel, that show is a paladin. I don't like her in that show. Maybe Rachel gets stuck with fighter. Ah, you know, yeah. you can't know. think of anything else. Go fighter. You know. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, we got we we got barbarian. We we got uh, bard. We got uh, cleric. We've handled warlock. Even wizard. Oh, sorcerer. Nah, yeah, so. it's charisma based. It is charisma. It based. It is charisma based. She yeah. had charisma. So no intelligence or ah, wisdom. Yeah. Okay, okay. Now let's do Degrassi Junior High. No one saw that Everybody shit. Everybody wants something. They're all bars. They're all bars. They all suck. They're all half Everybody wants something. They'll take your money. They're all bards with a nine charisma. <laughs>